for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks Thanks be to God. This morning's scripture is from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Jesus transformed. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes flashed white like lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They were clothed with heavenly splendor and spoke about Jesus' departure, which he would achieve in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were almost overcome by sleep, but they managed to stay awake and saw his glory as well as the two men with him. As the two men were about to leave Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. We should construct three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. Peter was still speaking when a cloud overshadowed them. As they entered the cloud, they were overcome with awe. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son my chosen one, listen to him. Even as the voice spoke, Jesus was found alone. They were speechless and at the time told no one what they had seen. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be Would you pray with me? Oh God, as we come to this text, as we seek to understand what your spirit is saying to us today, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. You who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is the last Sunday of February, and uh, for this month, we've been reading our scripture texts and stories in Luke alongside the readings and writings of Black women. It's been uh, transformative. It's been a challenge for me to hold these texts and these voices uh, in a way that doesn't uh, co-opt them or appropriate them or diminish them, but to try to really listen and also think what is here for us. These words have, their words have comforted and disturbed me. It's not always been the easiest journey. And today I assigned myself uh, the novelist and essayist Toni Morrison. If you've read her work, you know that she doesn't really let you off the hook for anything. Her words and her characters refuse to be wrapped up in tidy packages, nor should they. There's a powerful scene in the book Beloved, which was set in 1873, 10 years after the Emancipation Proclamation in Ohio, in a community of formerly enslaved people. This story is a story that is haunted by the complex and interrelated effects of slavery. 
a decade, just a decade after 250 years of enslavement is not very long. Here in 2022, we are still unraveling that. One of the most powerful scenes in the book is the description of when the matriarch of the family, Baby Suggs, would lead worship out in a clearing. Morrison writes that Baby Suggs decided that because slave life had busted her legs, back, head, eyes, hands, kindness, womb, and tongue, she had nothing left but to make a living, nothing left to make a living with but her heart which she put to work at once. She became an unchurched preacher and opened her great heart to those who could use it. In that clearing in the woods, Baby Suggs invited these formerly enslaved people to come out and to laugh and to dance and to cry, to be human and free and loved found these pages impossible to read, and I've gone back to reread them over and over in recent weeks, about something deep within me responding. There's an invitation, such a deep invitation to know love, despite all that comes at us, no matter what life gives us. She says, you got to love it. This is flesh I'm talking about here. Flesh that needs to be loved. As we come to the end of this month-long conversation, this text brings us to what I find one of the most stunning and singular themes to emerge from the spiritual writings of black women. That we can find God within us, even when all the structures of the world outside of us are saying something different. As American playwright Ntozake Shenge said, I found God in myself, and I loved her. I loved her fiercely. If we are not finding a God who loves us and every single one of us in our flesh, we have not found God. This is what it means to have what we call Christianity an incarnational faith, an enfleshed faith. It's the transformative power of God's love showing up within us. It's the mystery, it's the goal, it's the source of our faith. And so the Sunday before Lent, as we are at Transfiguration Sunday, the lectionary and our schedule of texts give us this quiet glimpse this kind of big and small story of the glory of Jesus before we circle back into the desert as a community, church community, with Jesus for six weeks. This story it makes for a great storyline, right? You know in movies when you get a little bit of an idea of what's coming and then you have to go through the hardship to get there. This is kind of like our little glimpse of what's coming before we go through the releasing of Lent and the, the dying of Lent to get to Easter. The story of Jesus' transfiguration has so many layers to it. First of all, there's just the miracle of it. Jesus 
physically transformed, is filled with light in his physical being. And if there's a visitation from the two great Jewish prophets, Moses and Elijah, who validate Jesus' calling, who consort with him. And then there is Peter's impulse to build permanent structures to the glory of these three men, convinced that if something can just be big enough and bright enough, everyone will be convinced that the way of Jesus is the true way. And then there is the voice from heaven, which echoed at the voice at the baptism of Jesus saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. The affirmation of the belovedness of Jesus. This story seems to me to be something a little bit out of a Toni Morrison novel. Ghosts and apparitions and echoes of history all colliding in one moment where Jesus decides, has decided to take Peter and John and James and go up on a mountain to pray. And while he is praying, the appearance of his face is changed and his clothes become dazzling white, it says. All because Jesus chose to find God in him. Now, reading the verses surrounding the story give you a clue into just how much Jesus must have needed to know that God was in him. Just how much he needed some quiet time in prayer. Jesus has been healing He's been gathering his team. He's been breaking Sabbath laws, challenging the religious authorities, gaining popularity, healing all sorts of diseases, preaching brilliant sermons, sending messages to high-level Roman officials, bringing the dead to life, communicating with his cousin in jail right before his cousin is executed, eating at the table of Pharisees while a woman is anointing his feet, rejected by his mothers and brothers who were demanding his attention, calming a stormy sea, casting out demons, training and sending his disciples out, feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. Just, you know, just in a few chapters there. Jesus was acting full of conviction and calling. He was obviously full of God's power. He was in his prime. You might have thought he knew that God was with him and in him. But he needed still to take that time to know, to listen, to hear that voice of love. And that was something that none of the doing God's work could do for him. And I would actually suspect, speaking from some experience myself, that the doing of God's work can complicate the knowing of God's presence. And the two can't be confused for each other. But in this moment, Jesus is transformed in the presence of God. Something happens that defies explanation. We call it the transfiguration, that his appearance was altered in some way, but, but maybe the disciples were actually seeing him how he was. Maybe it was less of an exception to the reality than a revealing of the reality of the glory of Jesus being. Peter's response is to do what we so often want to do with moments of revelation. Peter wants to make it accessible, wants to package it up and put it out for public display. But Jesus resists all of these easy answers and simple structures. 
He resists confusing the God in him with the external measures of success. He knows the answer is not easy answers or structures, but faithful presence. Well, I think Peter probably had some good motives here. It was a mixed motive, to be sure. He no doubt it wanted to be on the winning team, to stand next to one of those structures and just kind of feel good about being associated with it. But the voice in the cloud invites him deeper when it speaks and says, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Peter, leave all your external measures of identity and worth and listen to the voice of love. It's so easy to put our faith in the externals of the world, where we see success and popularity and winning strategies, especially easy for those of us with quite a bit of privilege. It's easy to, to let someone else hold God for us or validate God within us in their structures or their theologies or their actions. And externals are important, external structures. Don't get me wrong. We need systems that are just. We need healthy communities. We need models and mentors. We need churches that provide shelter and hope. But we also must hold lightly our faith in the external structures and constantly, constantly release the ways that our worth is dependent on them. And this is where I find the wisdom of black women comes to help us. Because throughout the centuries, their lives have too often not worked in the externals. They have been expendable and invisible for too long in so many of the structures of our world. And yet, and so, they found God within them. And finding the intimate presence of God within their flesh and their bones in a way that defied externalized sources. I found God in me and I loved her fiercely. Those are powerful words, prophetic words that challenge the ways that we have tried to make ourselves safe and the ways that we think that we have found God. We began this month by talking again about the power of this voice, the womanist voices around us, learning to live and love right here in these bodies and in this time. Alice Walker, Toni Morrison, Bell Hooks, Amanda Gorman, they're riding through the experience of their lives, declaring to us, telling us, God is not outside of us. No one gets to tell us our worth. Our worth is found in the God who lives within us. This goes beyond self-care to love of ourselves, through resisting com commodification by any system or person, or even by our own selves and what we think we should be. It means a journey to realize that we are of value just in who we are as children of God. Here's what I've been thinking about. Self-love does not equal self-indulgence. Self-love is not selfish. 
Self-love does not come at the expense or the mistreatment of another. Self-love is so deeply countercultural in a world that wants to brand, label, and define who we are. I don't know that many of us really know how to do that or even exactly what it might mean. Most of us have a lot of learning to do. I know I do. This month, I've been watching my friend Ashley, uh, the poet laureate in um, Colorado Springs, Colorado, a black woman posts daily affirmations to black people each day. She says things like, black nerds make the world go around. Black entrepreneurship is vital. Take up space. You are attractive. Your skin is beautiful. And she delivers these messages with, with such tenderness and conviction in her eyes. Now, these messages are not meant for me, but I'm watching and learning from her and recognizing how, how the messages all of us have internalized do not allow everyone to flourish. Our work is to find that space of love within and without where all can flourish, where everyone can hear these voices. This month has been powerful for me. I've experienced deep joy, been humbled and challenged. I feel such gratitude to witness the beautiful strength in the woman we have encountered through writing and here in the sanctuary. And I'm going to kind of resist the urge to, to uh, wrap all this up and to make tidy little structures like Peter wanted to do, and instead say that I'm grateful for the light that shines in these voices, that I have so much more to learn, and that I'm committed to keep learning how to make space for these voices and to follow them in learning how to build a more loving world. I'm really grateful that tonight, today we have Emma, Claire, and Rebecca Spence, who are students at the Portola Valley Theater Conservatory. They're coming to read some poems, two poems that we've selected for them to read. Well, they selected to read. And these are real-world transfiguration poems that invite us to see each other as we really are, shining and deeply loved children of God, walking in our flesh, in this ground, in this time. So welcome, come read for us. Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, 
Because I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness. But still, like air, I'll rise. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the hope and the dream of the slave. I rise. I rise. I rise. Thank you. New Bones by Lucille Clifton. We will wear new bones again. We will leave these rainy days, break out through another mouth into sun and honey time. Worlds buzz over us like bees. We be splendid in new bones. Other people think they know how long life is, how strong life is. We know. Thank you.